Welcome in. It's the 3D Dynasty Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And we're brought to you by Bird Dog Shorts. Dominate summer with an amazing pair of shorts and a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com backslash pool. That's birddogs.com backslash pool. Welcome into the show. There's my guy back with us this week, Brad. We're going to talk about the NFC West. And we've already talked about all of the AFC. We've covered a little bit of the NFC, the North and the East. Go check out that episode, those episodes on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. You can also check us out on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. And as always, if this is your first time, hit that button. Hit that button. Hit that subscriber button brought to you by Jakey. And Brad, with the NFC West, we got the updated projections from Mike Clay. So we're going to just start off with a recap of the Arizona Cardinals offseason, and it's been an interesting one. So in the draft, they they traded back. They got Paris Johnson. Um, they traded back, then they traded up. But they got Paris Johnson. They also got the Houston Texans first-round pick next year, which might be the most valuable piece that they picked up in the draft. Don't forget about those when you you put your draft gifts in. This is what I drafted. I also got a second and a third and a future first. They got B.J. Ojolari in the second round. They thought that was a good pick, PFF. Garrett Williams, a corner, coming off of an ACL injury. This is a team that can wait. This is a guy that probably was a second-round pick if he didn't have that borderline first-round pick. But he had a torn ACL. He's coming off of that. This was an above-average pick per uh, PFF. Then Michael Wilson. Another guy that this is a bit of a gamble, but he had a great senior bowl. He was a very productive, you know, very productive when he was healthy on the field. This guy is a big receiver to go with all these little guys on this, on this, uh, you know, Cardinals uh, offense. John Gaines, personal favorite. I don't know if you've seen my video. This guy answered my question at the combine, gave me goosebumps. I'm absolutely a huge fan and sad my Giants didn't get him. But this guy, I'll tell you guys later about it. Clayton Toon, quarterback, another one of my guys. Then they had Owen Papo. Then they had uh, Kytrell Clark, a corner. Owen Papo was a linebacker, Clayton Toon, quarterback. And then Dante Stills, they got an A-plus from PFF. And then as far as their offseason, they've been very busy. Got a B from PFF. They added Chris Barnes, linebacker. Offensive tackle, Jackson Barton. Cornerback, Chris Boyd. LJ Collier, edge from the Seattle Seahawks. You have Dennis Daly, offensive tackle. Jeff Driscoll, corner slash tight end. He plays a little bit of both. You got Rashad, Rashad Fenton, cornerback. Yeah, Hijate Fohold, guard. Hayden Hoverton, guard. Javante Moffitt, safety. Zach Pascal, receiver. Kevin Strong, you have D lineman. Carlos Watkins, D-lineman. Kaiser White, linebacker, comes over with the coaching changes. They brought in all new coaches. 
with uh, Jonathan Gannon coming in. A little bit of a Michael Scott sketchy kind of a, an interaction with Rondale Moore. If you want to laugh, look it up. You can look at the short video I put up on SGPN Fantasy Football YouTube. Elijah Wilkinson tackled Josh Woods linebacker. So, Brad, what are your thoughts about the Cardinals offseason? I think they did good, and I think, like you said, the biggest thing is going to be that 24 first, and I think part of the reason is what are they going to be doing with the future of Kyler Murray? Are they going to be looking to try to move on from him, even though he's got that deal? It's a very interesting situation. New coaching staff, quite possibly a pretty early uh, first-round pick moving in, and Does Jonathan Gannon like what he sees from Kyler Murray when he comes back off of that ACL injury uh, and hopefully looks like himself? Uh, That 24 first is the big deal, and I think the sleeper for them is going to be that Michael Wilson pick on the offensive side of the ball. He, Like you said, he's the biggest guy they've got in that wide receiver room right now, and he's a guy that can be that possession-style receiver for them that they really don't have. They've got a Rondale Moore, more that, uh, you know, juke play kind of, you know, trick play kind of guy, get him the ball in space and let him work. Marquise Brown a little bit more of that deep threat. And then there's nothing. you got Greg Dortch who showed some flashes last season, get given the opportunity. Zach Pascal coming in. We've seen flashes from him, but it's a very unproven back end of that. Really, anybody below Hollywood Brown is pretty open. So Michael Wilson, as we get through the projections, I think is, is a player that you might want to take a look at in your deeper uh, dynasty leagues. Yeah, and so – Before we get into that, Brad, you got something for us? Hey, look, it's summertime. Training camp is right around the corner, and we're just waiting to see guys like A.J. Dillon and Saquon Barkley, maybe some Nick Chubb, some of these 650-pound squats that these guys are doing. And the reason that I bring it up is because of bird dogs, and bird dogs just make them thighs look good. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as the Lululemons, but they fit way better. They fit better than regular shorts, and they're made of stiff, restricting cotton. They fixed this issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but it stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice that movement. So bird dogs also uses an anti-stink or sweat. Look, it's summertime. Nobody likes ball sweat. Nobody likes that smell. They've got this very nice anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, I know Dave's got some. I know I got some. You want to go to birddogs.com slash pool, P-O-O-L, and enter our promo code pool, P-O-O-L, for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. Again, that's birddogs.com backslash pool. For a free Yeti-style tumbler, you won't want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you. If you don't know what Lulu Melons are, uh, it's it's a brand. Uh, it's actually Jim Harbaugh's preference for the khakis. Little known fact. Uh, it's also probably that that girl that you saw that said, man, those are some nice uh, yoga pants. It's probably Lulu Melons. Um, so you want to look that good, you know, to where, you know, you see Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. He must work out. You want that? You want Brad saying that to oh, you? Oh, man, that's a great reference. Uh, there you go. 
So Kyler Murray, this is interesting because it has him down for 10 games, Colt McCoy for seven, nobody else, maybe Clayton Toon. I'll be honest, Brad, I look at this and I just don't see any reason why they put him in any, any harm's way. The Cardinals are likely to have him start off on the pup means that he's probably going to probably not going to be available until week seven, eight or nine. And at that point, they're probably going to already be out of it. If not very close, this is one of the worst rosters in football. A lot of changes. And again, they got their first round pick. They got the Houston Texans first round pick. A lot of motivation to just go all in for next year. You got Marvin Harrison Jr. If they wanted to move on from Kyler Murray, they could sit there and try to take Caleb Williams or another quarterback and try to move Kyler Murray for more picks. Just makes no sense at all to put him any harm in any harm's way at the end of this season, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I 100% agree. And you can kind of see based on what they did in the offseason. They didn't go out and sign a big running back. They didn't go back out and sign a wide receiver. They let DeAndre Hopkins go. They didn't really address the offense a ton in the offseason. So it looks to me like they say, hey, look, we recognize Jonathan Gannon in your first season. We need you to figure out what our roster players of the future look like. Is it going to be Kyler? Do we like Marquise Brown or do we need to address that? Can Trey McBride be a guy that we can depend on in the future? And they're going to be looking more to that 2024 season. It would make a ton of sense to me with Kyler Murray coming, even if he doesn't start on the pup, they're going to ease him into action, right? I know he's looking like he's starting to be in a pretty good spot and possibly be ready for week one. There are reports kind of conflicting right now in that regard. I just don't see the reason why this roster is not good enough to put him in that harm's way like you talked about. So uh, I think you're going to see the Arizona Cardinals kind of struggle throughout the season as they're working through what the roster, you know, what players they want to maintain on the roster for next year. Yeah, and with this, I think Kyler Murray is a great target if you are a rebuilding team. If you're a team that's looking towards the future, he's a young quarterback. I know there's some concern with the knee injury, especially with a running quarterback. We've seen it before. He's young. The the ACL injuries aren't the way they used to be. And he's still a very good passer on top of his rushing upside. And this team could easily get one of the top receivers, if not a couple top weapons next year, including offensive line help. So, I would definitely look at Kyler Murray as someone to target if I'm a rebuilding team, your competing team. It's going to be very hard to go in and and you know go after Kyler Murray. Um, but a rebuilding team, you say, okay, I'm going to give you this player. I'm going to get a draft pick plus Kyler Murray, or I'm going to give you, you know, Kyler Murray for uh, an early for for a mid to late 2023 first. Go ahead and, and just kick the tires till next year. It's going to help you with your tanking and lower your increase your draft capital next year on top of getting Kyler Murray next year. Does the timing matter to you on when you're going to acquire, try to acquire Kyler? Is that something you're looking to do now? Because to me, I'm looking at almost like that midseason. He comes back. He's likely not going to look like himself, especially with this roster. So do you try to buy that low in season or do you try to do it right now? When do you think the price is going to be the the deepest? 
I think the price will probably be the deepest in the middle of the season. But I, I, I always just say, like, just check it out. Yep. I mean, if you get a good price right now because your draft is going on right now and people are excited about 2023 picks, do it now. But you don't want to do it after your draft. And let's say you're trying to trade Zay Flowers for Kyler Murray and Zay Flowers isn't doing jack. That 110-111 would have been more valuable at that time. So that, that's, that's where I'm at. I just go check it out. Let's go to the running backs. Um, James Conner, a lot of discussion on Twitter about James Conner, especially his uh, redraft value or like one-year one year window value. And I feel like a lot of people are just based All right, so we officially did lose Dave in there. I couldn't tell whether that was me or him. I didn't want to try talking over him. But, hey, look, we were talking about James Conner and kind of where he is in the team right now. And to me, these projections seem a little bit low. There is nobody that is really challenging James Conner right now for really any carries or any receiving at all. This dude is getting all of the work, which is exactly what you want. And when you think about, look, he's on a pretty good deal. He's at least got this year, probably next year as well. And he's coming off the board as RB40. You mean to tell me I can get a guy who's going to touch the ball 250 plus times at the RB40 spot and likely have him for a couple seasons? I'm totally okay with that. He looked really, really good the last couple seasons with the Arizona Cardinals when healthy and when he was able to play. It absolutely is a smash play to me from a perspective of being able to get late round running back value. And that's what I'm looking for in James Conner. There's really nobody else on this roster from a running back perspective that I'm even remotely looking at in a dynasty perspective if I do not own James Conner. If I am the James Conner owner, then I'm looking to go grab a Keontae Ingram or a Corey Clement if you think that's the backup. And you can kind of see here that Mike Clay's kind of hedging his bet. Which one of these guys is going to be the backup to James Conner? But if I, again, if I do not own James Conner, I'm not wasting a roster spot on any of these backup running backs because I don't really expect the Arizona Cardinals to be putting up enough points and moving the ball enough because of the injury with Kyler Murray and the rest of the team to really warrant having that roster spot taken up with one of these backups that we hope happens. So let's move on to the wide receiver position. And you can see here, Marquise Hollywood Brown is kind of the alpha in the offense right now. They expect him to be the guy that's going out and getting the majority of the targets. And that makes the most sense. He is clearly the most talented wide receiver on this team in general. And it's really not even close. Hollywood was a top 12 wide receiver in the weeks while DeAndre Hopkins was out at the beginning of the season due to suspension with Kyler Murray. They traded a first round pick to bring in Hollywood Brown and they gave him a deal. And I think he's just going to be a smash play for you at price. Again, the cost is there for him. So let's take a look at, let me see what his ADP is. Hollywood Brown in Dynasty Leagues is the wide receiver 31. So you're getting the opportunity to get the number one dog in an offense who has big playability, 
at the wide receiver 31, a guy who's getting 120 plus targets. And I think that's on the low end. I just don't see Rondell Moore pulling in and garnering 100 targets. I just don't think it's going to happen. So, Dave, you're back. We probably had about a 30 second delay because I was like, I don't know if it's me or if it's Dave. So we kind of held off. And then when it kicked you off, I picked up. We talked about James Conner. So I'll kick it back to you real quick. If there's anything you want to talk about at the running back position. Otherwise, where do you stand with Hollywood Brown? Well, I'll just say this. Keontae Ingram is a very good stash. Uh, If you can get him off your waiver wires, fourth round pick. Brad probably doesn't like him. Um, Yeah, what I said is unless I'm the James Conner owner, I'm not really interested in rostering any of them. That's that's kind of where my head's at. Uh, Keontae Ingram's free. Um, so, like, yeah. that's where it comes down to. I do like the player. And last year, in, in the time that he played, he looks really good. He was very he was very explosive. He, he could be a good player. I mean, this new offense, you could see things shuffled up. I, I just don't think Corey Clement or Tyson Williams has any value. Keontae Ingram is one. You just – you don't want something to happen where James Conner goes down week one and Keontae Ingram's, you know, was sitting on the waiver wire, and you kept, you know, uh, Ben Skoranek and, and didn't make the move. So, um, and then another thing I want to talk about is is Underdog Fantasy. Uh, we're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. If you've not heard of it, then you must be living under a rock. Uh, Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and we're Underdog. And here is, and that's where Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Yeah, $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on favorite MLB and NFL season player props. So many ways to win over Underdog, and Underdog is available in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's Underdog Fantasy promo code SGPN. And to answer the question about Marquise Brown, it's just going to be hard. I mean, you could go back and look at the splits last year with Colt McCoy. He did okay. Um... But, you know, you're you're kind of buying him at his ceiling with, with Colt McCoy. I mean, there's not a lot of upside with uh, an offense led by, by Colt McCoy. And so if he's coming off the board as wide receiver three territory, then you're probably okay. Um, but wide receiver 27, there's just so many good receivers. Um, he might be a guy that you wait till the middle of the season and he's stinking it up and go pick him up as far as a, uh, a buy low. Um, candidate. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they checked Clayton Toon out, um, if they, you know, liked him in camp or anything like that. Because you just, it's going to be a very much a let's see what this roster looks like and let's see who's going to be our team moving forward. Um, teams tank, uh, you know, organizations tank, but the players don't. These guys are playing for jobs. So they'll play hard. And these guys are trying to make rosters and they're also trying to make rosters next year. So you can see a guy, you know, but if, if he gets the opportunity, um, you know, you could see, you know, Marquise Brown being someone that you can buy low on then next year. You know, he should be a, he should be on this roster next year. He's also in a contract year, too. That's right. And I, I'm, there's no way it, I find it hard to believe that they move a first round pick to bring this guy in and not let DeAndre Hopkins walk and do not figure out how to re-sign him. It's like said before you jump back on, this dude was a top 12 wide receiver with Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins on suspension at the first, you know, the first five or six games of the season. So when I look at that, you see the potential. I do think there's upside with Marquise Brown in the long term. 
You know, he's still a very young guy from a football standpoint at the wide receiver position. And I just think the upside is there. You're just going to have to wait likely a year to see it kind of come to fruition. So. And then uh, Trey McBride down there at the tight ends. I think he's an interesting buy low candidate. We just talked about him on our, on our show with uh, Eric Moody um, actually with Michael F. Florio. And so uh, McBride was a very productive uh, receiving tight end in college. And last year he was behind Zach Ertz and then some other things happened. And so he only got on the field once and he had a really bad PFF score. And so people were like, I'm done with him. And like, that's fine. But if that's how you play dynasty fantasy football, your, your teams are probably a hot mess and you probably quit a whole bunch of leagues. Like you have to be patient with these players. Like not every player is going to go out there and dominate week one and I don't even know the circumstance. He probably had Colt McCoy and the worst offensive line in football. Like, let's 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 Might relax. Be let's relax, you know. And so, if a player is good, that's great. But you want to like let it. Let, let me see three or four weeks before I make a real evaluation on it. And if he stinks, let me see three or four weeks. If he stinks for three or four weeks, yeah. then he probably you might stink. Um, yeah. But I'm not evaluating a guy on one week. No, and just think about it, right? We've talked about how we this it just looks like Jonathan Gann is going to see what this roster looks like for the future. Trey McBride is McBride is going to get a ton of opportunity in this offense because they spent a pretty decent draft capital on the guy. He's a very athletic tight end, and they don't really have other options. So look. We talked a little bit about the wide receivers before you hop back on. I said, I don't think Rondell Moore's getting 100 targets. It would not shock me if Trey McBride is the second leading target guy on this team behind Marquise Brown. I just don't know that there is another challenger for him right now. So I, I think he's a sneaky buy, just like you said. I love it. And before we move on to the next team, because you moved through, I got a question. Those deep dynasty leagues we saw Greg Dortch be pretty solid from a fantasy perspective early on in the season for us. He had more targets. He had more receptions. He had more route participation than anybody else on the team. Is he a guy that you're willing to stash in a very ambiguous wide receiver room and kind of see what happens? It just depends on how deep your rosters are. Um, I'm in a league with you the other day, and I had to make decisions on – dropping a couple guys and I had to drop Dorch. Um, it, it's just all about your situation. Um, again, he's a stash or trash guy and you could stash him, but do you have a 35 player bench or a 30 player bench or a 25 player bench? And so I think his upside's really limited. Um, I think this team's definitely going to add a receiver next year. And I think you might get hit or miss production. It's on a best ball situation. Um, I just, he's a small guy and I know there's a lot of small guys. So I got a, a, here's, here's a situation I'm in right now. So I've got Greg Dorch and I've got Justin Ross. For those of you who forgot about Justin Ross, Clemson Phenom as a, as a freshman, just can't stay healthy, gets picked up as an undrafted free agent by the Kansas City Chiefs in another pretty ambiguous wide receiver room. Are you keeping Dorch or are you taking that shot on Justin Ross? Ah, I mean, right? It's kind of yeah, gross. That that is, it's gross. And and Ross is obviously has the higher ceiling at yeah. this. So 
it, it, you're probably going to want to go with Ross um, because it's, Dorch, it's, I mean, what's Dorch going to do at best? He's going to be Braxton Berrios. Like, okay, that's you fair. Know? All right. And so you want to just wanted either, to kind of throw a couple yeah, swing of for the fences. About, and if you, right? if you strike out, it's no big deal. Cost you a Dorch. <laughs> we got the Los Angeles Rams. And so they've had a very boring offseason. Their acquisitions this offseason were acquiring via trade Hunter Long when they traded Jalen Ramsey away. Um, they also, um, as far as the draft, have added a lot of pieces. And so if you know what that coffee cup said and that, that hashtag – I'm not going to say it because this is going to be a kid's show, but um, FM Picks has now been, give me those picks. And so they acquired a lot of picks last year via trade, different moves. Um, so their their draft was an A-. minus. Somehow they got a B for their offseason, even though they got rid of Ramsey, added Hunter Long, who, side note, looks like the guy – remember the, the guy from We're the Millers, the kid? Yes. Looks like him, but like he went in the Captain America booth and got jacked up. <laughs> that's that's Hunter Long, if you don't know what he looks oh, like. I like it. Uh, he was used to be uh, he was from Boston College, went to Miami, now he's traded over to LA. Steve Avila and the fir- and their, 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 their first pick in the second round. Really good pick. I mean, they thought he could be a potential first round pick. Daniel Jeremiah was very high on him. They had Byron Young, Tennessee Edge. That was pick that was a uh, Pick 77, they thought it was a good pick. Third rounder, Kobe Turner in the third round, defensive lineman. They got guard, edge, defensive lineman. Stetson Bennett in the fourth down was a fourth down. Fourth round was a little bit of a head scratcher. Nick Hampton, edge, fifth rounder. Warren McClendon, O tackle. Um, Then you have Davis Allen in the fifth. Puka Nakua in the fifth. Uh, You have Hodges, uh, Hodges Tomlinson from TCU corner. Tavarius, um, he's uh, I think he's a nephew of Danian Tomlinson. Um, Ochon Mathis, edge. Zach Evans, running back. Ethan Evans, punter. Jason Taylor, safety. And Deshawn Johnson, D lineman. A minus for their draft. Um, interesting team. You know they've fallen pretty pretty quickly from fantasy graces. Um, what are your thoughts here on Matthew Stafford, who really struggled last year? That they need to get that offensive line meshing. That's the option. I mean, you still have one of the better receivers in the game in Cooper Cup. And outside of that, you're kind of, you got 115 vacated targets. How does that go? Does he have, you know, can Van Jefferson get up there uh, to what we kind of hope a, a wide receiver coach's kid could do for us? Uh, but that offensive line is going to be the catalyst. And then the secondary piece of that is, can they get the run game going to just take the pressure off to where they can't just unleash the pass rush on every single play over and over and over again, which is what the issue was last season. There there was no threat of the run early on, and when you couple that with an awful offensive line that can't communicate and can't block, it's just a recipe for disaster. Uh, and that's what we saw last season. The whole team just kind of fell apart. So they added some pieces to the offensive line. I think if they can figure out how to get them to mesh early on, that's good. But you're going to see the first four to five weeks of the season like you typically do 
with newly reorganized offensive lines, you're going to see some time that it's going to take for them to mesh and actually start to communicate well and do a good job for Matthew Stafford. Yeah, this was a team that really they found themselves in third and long way too often, and they are not a good pass blocking team. Matthew Stafford also had some injuries, so he was pretty much a, a statue back there. And so they did end up having to shut him down for the season. Um, but for fantasy purposes, he was awful last year. And I've seen some people really getting back in on him. And Stafford's a guy, I, historically, I've been a big fan of. And um, it's really hard to buy in on him if you look at his season last year. He doesn't have any rushing upside anymore. He had a you know, he wasn't like a, he wasn't going to rush too much, but he would give you sometimes 15, 20, 25 yards a game, offer maybe a touchdown on top of 300 yards passing. Now you just got to rely on the passing. And then you've got the concerns there with the turnovers because they've gone back up. Now we've seen the offensive line issues. Matthew Stafford, just for, you know, for dynasty purposes, is he, he's someone, if you're looking for a QB2 in Superflex, are you, Tarting Stafford, or are you going for other options? No, I, I think I am. He's QB 29 price on ADP. So I always like to use startup ADP as kind of a starting point for trade offers. So where is he being – who is he being drafted around? He's being drafted one spot. This is in startup ADP, one spot below Will Levis. If I can move Will Levis for Matthew Stafford in a situation where I'm trying to win this year – and I need a second quarterback, I may be willing to do that. Because as much as I like Will Levis, there is no guarantee that he's the guy for Tennessee. It's just not, right? When you look at other guys, he's going below. He's going below Trey Lance. If I can move Trey Lance for Matthew Stafford, again, in a situation where I am looking to try to win a championship, Trey Lance ain't helping me win shit this year. Matthew Stafford might. Right. So at that point, I'm looking to move to obtain him just because of the price and some of the pieces that you can move to get him in a win now type situation. And and, and Brad, this is where we disagree. I might do the, the meme like. I mean, I, I you're looking at you know, Will Levis is a late first round pick. I am not sending a late first round pick for Matthew Stafford. And I feel like if that's what I'm shopping with that I can get a lot better. I can come home from the grocery store with something better than Matthew Stafford. And it's really based on last year. Like I said, last year was was really bad. And I don't know if it's going to get much better. You have the injury risk as well of him being shut down again if the back happens. I don't know. I'm just I'm very concerned. I do think this team could find themselves in shootouts and I can see a path for for this being a good move. But I'm just and I also don't know how long, much longer he's going to play. I mean, McVay could leave. Stafford could walk away anytime soon. Yep. I mean, there are multiple trades that are going down for Matthew, Matthew Stafford for a 24-second plus. Um, if I go back, maybe you could see some 23s. But right now, just because of recency, you're looking at 24 seconds plus a piece. Matthew Stafford for James Cook straight up. Um, Matthew Stafford for a second and two thirds, um, Matthew Stafford, Michael Gallup for a 24 first. Like I, while I get it, the price to me is not crazy high. And I, look, Will Levis was anywhere between 110 to 202, depending on your draft. I, that's not 
super high draft capital right now. Who are you trading Will Levis for and getting anything? You know, Matthew Stafford could return to form, and you can have a top twelve quarterback on your hands. So I, I I've got the belt and the trophy on my mind at this point, and that's what I'm trying to look at. And Will Levis isn't going to do that for me right now. Yeah, uh, I get it. I get not wanting to do it. Also, well, I just again, I just think if I go to the store and I come back with Matthew Stafford, the wife's gonna say, "What? What? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> like you could have got something better if you spent all that money." So, That's... um, we'll uh, we'll we'll table that. You guys, let us know what you think. Are you willing to uh, spend a late first round pick? We'll say late first round pick on Matthew Stafford, and would you take him over Trey Lance right now? Because that's yeah. that's. Interesting conversation. Will Levis um, just got traded for Sam Howell. I'll take Sam Wait. Howell over Matthew Stafford right now. Oh, come on. Get out of here with I, that. I'm out. I'm, I'm just out on Stafford. The injuries, I'm just out. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Mike, Mike Clay is in. Uh, he's ranking him at 20. Um, Cam Akers, uh, he's in and out of the doghouse. He's, you know, he looked really good at the uh, – J- J- Justin's in uh, on Stafford as well. I'm a lone wolf on this one. Yeah. Um, Cam Akers was in and out of the doghouse, and and then at the end of the season last year, he looks really, really good. And so, yeah, I mean, QB 29, I'll take Stafford, but in the in the in the, uh, I'm gonna take him for a late first round pick value. I feel like, I, I just feel like you can trade for something better. Um, but Cam Akers. What are your thoughts? I mean, uh, we had him down uh, the other day. Marcus Grant talked about him being a possible breakout candidate. Sell, sell, sell. Look, I get it. Weeks 13 on, he had the most yards. He had the most touchdowns. He had like the third most missed tackles. He looked great. And he might have a good season this year. I just don't see a situation where the Los Angeles Rams, he's in the last year of his deal, his rookie deal. I don't see a situation where they pay this man. So when right now he's coming off the board as the RB21, I'm looking to try to move because I think you could get more than RB21 price if you trade him right now because the hype is real. So I'm looking to move him. I know I'm going to eat my words this season. I do think he's going to have a decent season. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's going to be able to get the run going. He's going to look like himself, I believe, what we thought he was going to be coming out of Florida State or what a bunch of us had kind of hoped that he was going to be before he suffered the Achilles and then found himself in the doghouse and all of these things. I just think his value has peaked, and now to me is the time to sell. Yeah, now that his values rebounded a little bit. I mean, last year, I mean, there were people that were that were pretty much give give me anything, I'll give you Cam Akers. Like, I'm pretty sure I acquired Cam Akers for like a 301 in last year's draft. Like, people were just ready to just back their situation, kick him off the bridge. So I, I, I'll take advantage of it, but now is the time to sell um, because if he does get hurt or something happens. Sonny Michelle was re-signed by the team. Um, I just think that he could be good this year. He doesn't have a lot of long-term value. So if you could move him for a James Cook, who have younger player might have some more long-term value, or move him for uh, a player with similar value and a pick, I just I think the long-term is is not not looking good for Cam Akers. Um, what are your thoughts about the rest of the backfield? He's got Kyron Williams as the number two guy. 
I have Zach Evans, um, but I, I do think Sonny Michelle throws a curveball in all this. Brad? I, I don't know if he does or not. Sonny Michelle's been on this Los Angeles Rams train before. And did were we super excited or happy about it? I don't think so. So I don't think while yes, he's gonna get a little bit of work, I don't think he's really eating into anything. I personally like the cost of Zach Evans because I think he's a better athlete than Kyron Williams. I think he's a more explosive player than Kyron Williams, and I think he's probably a little bit cheaper than Kyron Williams, to be honest. Especially when guys like Mike Clay are projecting Kyron Williams to be the number two. So you can use that as the selling point to go and try to get Zach Evans cheap. And when we talk about Zach uh, Cam Akers in the last year of his deal, Zach Evans is a rookie, may find himself as a starting running back for the Los Angeles Rams with maybe a new quarterback and some other other pieces. But we might looking at be looking at quite a bit of volume for him moving into next season. Yeah, and so to, to go into the receivers, Cooper Cup is is projected to have a monster season. The number two overall PPR receiver with 1,400 yards, 126 receptions, seven touchdowns. I mean, that is a monster, monster season for a guy coming off of an ACL injury. And so I I don't put it past Cooper Cup to go and surprise people. But, Brad, what are your thoughts here? Do you think that's uh, that's pretty high projection? Uh, no, I, I don't think there's any reason he doesn't return to his normal, you know, what we've grown to know Cooper Cup as. And when I can turn around and move Jordan Addison for him straight up, again, if I'm looking to try to win a championship, that's the kind of move I'm looking to make. An unproven rookie, as much as I love Jordan Addison, unproven, not the alpha on his team by any chase of the imagination quite frankly, could be the third option for the top dog in the wide receiver ranks in Cooper Cup if he returns to form. So that's a move I'm looking to try to take. Uh, If I can see him move for just a bunch of junk, Antonio Gibson in two seconds, like, ah, okay, sign me up, right? So all of these things I'm looking at saying – do I realize Cooper Cup's going to give me one or two more years of elite production? Yes, but I'm willing to move off to of some of these younger guys and some picks to go get him to go after championships. What are your thoughts about Van Jefferson? Uh, Jefferson also had an ACL injury. He had, you know, last year was a really, really odd year for him. Had some other stuff going on. He's back. He didn't have an ACL injury last year, but he did miss some time. And then he, by the time he got back on the field, Matthew Stafford was shut down. So what are your thoughts about Jefferson who moves into the number two role? Uh, Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Again, he's a refined player. He's not this flashy guy, but he knows how to play football. Like I said earlier, he is the son of a wide receiver coach. That's just, it's in his blood. He understands how to play. So I do think he's going to be the second option here because there's really not anybody else there. We did see Ben Skornak look okay when given opportunity, but all these other guys, Demarcus Robinson, Tutu Atwell, all of the hundred. But the question is, are you interested in Van Jefferson? At the price? Yeah. He's wide receiver 78 in dynasty ADP going around guys like, uh, Kayshawn Boutte, not looking great going around guys like Adam Thielen, who's 33 
Curtis Samuel, I like a little bit more, so I'd take Curtis Samuel over him. Uh, MVS, Puka Nakua, who is a player on this team that's really starting to get some hype. But I think Van Jefferson's that guy, and at the price, yes, I'm willing to put him on my on my squad. Yeah, and those names that you mentioned are fourth-round picks uh, or valued at fourth-round picks, late third-round picks. Uh, yeah, I would take Puka Nakua over, over, um, over those guys, um, him and Jefferson. I'll probably take Jefferson, um, but Nakua you can get a little bit later or just get him in your rookie draft. He does offer a little bit of rushing upside. He had five rushing touchdowns to go with his five receiving touchdowns. And he's an interesting player. Um, and I think, you know, in this offense where they're they're going to be looking to find another piece, Nakua is someone that I, I would stash, you know, in the late fourth round. I got a couple shares. Let's move on to the tight ends. Last year, Tyler Higby was really good, especially in your PPR formats. Fell off a little bit at the end of the season, but he had a run there where he was he was really like a top seven, top eight tight end. And Double digit targets he was getting. It was crazy. Cooper yeah. Cup coming off of the injury. You got no more Allen Robinson there. Robert Woods is long gone. What are your thoughts about Higby, especially in your PPR or tight end premium formats? Yeah, if I'm holding and not going after one of these top three, four, or five tight ends, he's he's definitely a late round target I'm looking at because while I think there's a chance that Van Jefferson is the number two target on the team, it would not shock me if Tyler Higby is that guy, it is the number two. Well, Mike he, Clay like, has him as the number two target. Yep. Like like you said, double-digit targets on a number of occasions early on in the season. So that's what you're looking for is that upside, especially in tight end premium leagues where they're giving you a half a point extra or a full point extra PPR to the tight end position. It's a guy that can absolutely eat guys' lunch uh, from a target perspective. So he is definitely a late-round flyer at the tight end position that I, I'll say I am targeting in whether it be redraft leagues or dynasty startup leagues. Yeah, and he's yeah he, he's definitely someone that I'm targeting as well. All right, if you guys have any questions about the Rams, let us know. Brad, who's next on there? The Seattle Seahawks and the Geno Smith-led Seattle Seahawks, who is, I don't know, you've got a fondness for him. I, I Whatever. Yeah, I do. I do. And I appreciate everyone watching out there. we got a pretty good group. And a reminder, this is your first time. Hey, guys, God, buddy. Hit that subscriber button. So Geno Smith got some he got some additions to this team. Let's start out with the offseason. They got an A. They added Evan Brown center, Devin Bush linebacker, Draymond Jones, D lineman, Julian Love safety. This was a defense that really got targeted last year. As far as uh, you know, if you if you had a quarterback playing against Seattle, you were pretty happy. Um, so they did a lot to attack the defense here. They brought back Bobby Wagner, who's on there, Mount Rushmore players. They got Jaron Reed, who also is brought back defensive lineman, former first-round pick for the Seahawks. And they had a bevy of draft picks. They got an A from Seattle. from the, uh, from Seattle from the, Of course, they probably thought it was an A+. Um, but PFF gave them an A. Devin Witherspoon, corner. Nice combination with their home run pick last year. He's a smaller corner, but he's feisty. He plays the ball well, and he actually makes plays. So you got two guys that are playmakers on defense. Then you got Jackson Smith and Jigba with their second pick. 
I think a lot of people were disappointed by this, but I think this is a move not only for now, but for the future. And the biggest beneficiary is Geno Smith, but I think it's nice for Jackson Smith and Jigba. He gets to come in, not have to be the first, you know, the first target. And he goes right in there in the slot, learns from one of the best slot receivers in the game and Tyler Lockett and has DK Metcalf there to take, you know, to really take some pressure off of him. Derek Hall, Auburn linebacker, well, Edge, Zach Charbonnet, Brad's guy, another good line, uh, good running back, Anthony Bradford, guard, Cameron Young, defensive lineman, Mike Morris, Edge, Olu Oluwatami, center slash guard from Michigan, Jarek Reed, safety, and Kenny McIntosh, running back, really a pass-catching specialist. So let's start off with Geno Smith. Last year was, I mean, the, literally the, the the tennis Twitter handle was bodying Seattle last year. Everybody expected Seattle to straight up stink. And this team was pretty good, and it was really good on the back of Geno Smith, who led the NFL in, in uh, passing um, as far as completion percentage. And he was a number seven overall fantasy quarterback. And uh, there were times where Geno Smith was just, he was, he was not, not only just uh, passing the ball, he's also rushing it a little bit. So Brad, I know you're not as high on Geno Smith as I am, but I would target Geno Smith as someone that is a quarterback too. And he's younger than some of the other options that people look at. People think that, you know, Geno Smith's been, it feels like he's been in the league for 30 years. Um, he's a little younger. He's younger than Russell Wilson. And what, what's, what's your, uh, so you're, you're got a face right now. What, what's going on? I, you know, I'm, I was doing some looking while you were talking, expecting to just continue to body Geno and, and, likely not give him the respect he deserves after the season that he had. But when I see trades like Geno for Rashad Penny, like, is that even real in a dynasty league? Geno Smith for Mac Jones and a first. I'm hoping that first is late, but Mac Jones and a late first for Geno. I'll, I'll take that especially when you're looking at a top 10 quarterback who added JSN this season and added Zach Charbonnet, and they just want to continue to put the points on the board. They were a hyper-efficient offense, and they added two really efficient guys. So I think I might be in on Geno. There's nothing nothing that says that Mac Jones has a longer career as a starter than Geno Smith. I know he's older, but Geno Smith, even if even if they both are starters all year this year, and something they both their wheels fall off, and the, but Mac Jones is really he's not on a good track for a long NFL career right now as a starter, and Geno Smith just signed I a mean, contract. I mean, they just paid Devontae Adams a three-year, thirty-three million dollar deal. I saw. Her. Well, I, I don't know if that was that. real or not, but it came on my phone. It, so. It's real. Forgot to cover that in our, our major news section. Oh. Um, Drew Locke, uh, he's not going to be anything. So, Juno Smith, I think we both agree, because of the value, because there's still people that is, they're, they're not believing in Juno Smith, the value's still there. And don't get me wrong, I'm not spending two first for Juno Smith. But you talk about earlier, like what we would try, I would take Juno Smith over Matthew Stafford all day. And uh, I think they're 
about the same price. Uh, so let's move on to the running backs. This is where it gets really funky. Uh, Ken Walker, he was going as a top three dynasty running back before the NFL draft. Zach Charbonnet was projected to be the RB3 of this class. Those things collided, and now the Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker are losing their ADP. And, and let me ask you this. So is Ken Walker or Zach Charbonnet or both, are they becoming values? 100%. I, I mean, Kenneth Walker is still at RB8, right? He's ahead of Najee Harris. He's a, ahead of Josh Jacobs, uh, ahead of a guy that I love in J.K. Dobbins. Uh, I, I still think he is probably not a quote-unquote value. But when I look at Zach Charbonnet, who's coming off as RB24, he's coming off behind Joe Mixon, he's coming off behind Aaron Jones, he's coming off behind Damian Pierce, coming off behind Cam Akers, who we just talked about may not have a starting job. Like I, I think he is a value right now. I think if I could move... Cam Akers right now for Zach Charbonnet plus, which I know you can do because of this situation, I might do that. And you're going to look like a fool this year, quite possibly, but you may end up be the, being the one laughing coming the 2024 need season. to clarify something you just said. We did not say Cam Akers would not have a job this year. No, 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 no. And Brad's saying in the future, you know, Cam Akers a free agent next year. We don't know what his free agency would look like. And Zach Charbonnet, you know, he definitely he could not be a lead next year either, um, yep. and for the foreseeable future. But we just don't know what Cam Akers is going to look like, and you can kind of sell off that hype. You could sell off the hype of like a Isaiah Pacheco, or um, you you got a Rashad White, and get Zach Charbonnet plus for either of those guys. But yep. yeah, I think Charbonnet is a good player, and I think this offense is you're you're not going to have Ken Walker go out there and be. He may not be an RB1 this year because Zach Charbonnet is there. I, I think Charbonnet does enough to where he's he's more involved in the passing game, which is odd because he's a big dude. Um, but I think you see a combination of backs. And what NFL teams are looking to do these days, before you had Thunder and Lightning, you had the big guy and the little guy, and that worked out really well. Now NFL, they, they just want to have good running backs. And so now you have Ken Walker, Ken Walker going in and he's just he's busting off, you know, big runs. He's 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 a tough physical runner. All right, we're gonna get a break and get Zach Charbonnet out there. Okay, you're not gonna get a break. And Zach Charbonnet goes out there. And so the Seattle Seahawks are really they're they're gonna be a physical running team. And remember, they like physical runners over there. They they had yeah Marshawn Lynch beast mode Chris Carson this is you know this is a, a a team and we've know we've seen with Pete Carroll having two running backs in his past Reggie Bush and Lendell White Zach Charbonnet and Ken Walker both could be valuable and Charbonnet could be the short yardage guy where he's going and getting the goal line touches in this offense you saw it with Jamal Williams last year being a goal line back can be a valuable thing on a good offense. Yeah, and, and the the thing I'm looking at here, and Kenneth Walker still being the guy, getting that 224 projected carries from Mike Clay's projections, when you have a guy like Zach Charbonnet who can relieve you on a fair amount of carries, 
the efficiency for Kenneth Walker is going to stay pretty high, maybe even a little bit higher than what it was last year because he's not the sole player in the backfield taking every bit of the carries. You're looking at he got he was about 4.7 carries through the back half of the season. 4.7 yards per carry on the back half of the season. You up that to five, five yards a carry on 225, 985 yards. That math doesn't work out. I think that is a very low projection, and you're looking at it from a perspective of he's not going to be very efficient. That's what, 4.4, 4.3 yards per carry? That's just, that's not enough. That's not enough. He's going to be a little bit higher than that. And I think that's something to keep in mind right now. Maybe you use these projections to help you say, you know what? Hey, look, Mike Clay thinks 900 yards, seven touchdowns. That's a, that's a low-end RB, two. When in reality, maybe he's an 1,100-yard rusher with seven or eight touchdowns. And now you're looking at a little bit different uh, projection or final season finish. The last point on the running backs, I'll just say this. Zach Charbonnet, the instant reaction for those people drafting on Sunday or Monday after the NFL draft, Charbonnet was dropping to the middle of the second, late second round. He's rebounded a little bit, and I think people are starting to get more comfortable with the fact that let's trust the talent over the situation. Also, draft capital. like Everyone's like, draft capital over situation, draft capital over situation. He gets great draft capital, but it's a bad situation, so they're tanking him. And they're like, oh, but Devin A-Chain – He's 190 pounds, but got a great landing spot. Well, Dalvin Cook might go rain on that parade, but that's a whole other show. Uh, let's talk about DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. We talked a little bit about Smith and Jigba already. Brad, you get Metcalf. I'll take Lockett. What do you think about his dynasty outlook? Top 10. He's still top 10 dynasty wide receiver for me, um, even though he's coming off as wide receiver 13. So he's a value to me right now. I'm going to try to obtain him, especially after the addition of JSN. There's there's these value dips for him right now. He is the alpha in this offense. He still can take any catch to the house regardless. I know he was a little bit more of a short yardage guy last year, kind of used for moving the chains a little bit more, but he's the guy. He is crazy talented, and I'm buying the dip right now. I'm gonna put you uh put you in a bind here. DK Metcalf or T. Higgins? Metcalf. <laughs> yeah, Metcalf. I think I got him one spot ahead of, of Higgins. Um yeah, Higgins right now is wide receiver nine and startup ADP. Like yeah, I, I think I have them either eight and nine or eight and ten. Um yep. Tyler Lockett is a player that I think he is a league winning value. And I know JSN is gonna eat into a little bit with him. But Tyler Lockett, was he's been one of the most consistent players after being one of the least consistent players. But when it, when it comes down to it, this guy has, not only does he have huge upside, but he has week-to-week consistency of a floor in your PPR and you know your half PPR formats. And, and I just love Lockett's value. Um, so I don't know if you have any trade examples or ADP right now, but because of his age, because of JSN, He's really become a value, and he is the perfect wide receiver three to throw onto your team. Yeah, there's a couple. So I, so one I like, one I don't like, but I'll, I'll give you the first one. Would you rather have Tyler Lockett in a 24-second or Traylon Burks? Mm. If it's an early second, then I'll, I'll think about it. I'm not as high on Burks, but I'll tell you right now, I saw the, the dynasty price check I just did. 
I might just go get Traylon Burks and then trade him for more. <laughs> okay. And then would you rather have Tyler Lockett or Michael Gallup and Kendra Miller? <laughs> Oof. Uh, yeah, Kendra Miller over Tyler Lockett. The the value may not be there. There are a ton of like four for four trades in here that you might be able to sneak them right, in. Tyler Lockett dynasty it. price check coming tonight because <laughs> uh, I just don't believe some of these values. I, I just don't think people are paying early. Like Kendra Miller is like a one one twelve two oh one. Like I just I don't know. Like that's a lot for me. I thought Tyler Lockett is going like late second round pick. Tyler like, Lockett for Jerry Judy. Judy. Tyler Lockett and Rasheed Rice for Jamison Williams. Nah, Jamie. Like, so, like, that's yeah. four trades you would not take Tyler yeah. Lockett in. Well, I guess I'm not going to. I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy the Lockett shares that I have. Because yeah. a few oh, years yeah. ago, when I was doing my last ditch effort for a championship, I just traded a third round pick for him and I was able to get him. So, I'm just going to keep him. Uh, so uh, nothing about tight ends. Let's move on to the the Niners. All right. Those tight ends stink. They're not going to do much with JSN there. <laughs> this is the big one. And Brock Purdy is the starter, according to Mike Clay. It's Trey Lance two starts, Sam Darnold one. Um, I really like – and I, I just for Trey Lance's sake, was hoping he got traded this offseason. It did not happen. And now – now Trey Lance is the backup. I, I'm, I've heard stuff that Sam Darnold is overtaking him in camp. Yeah, RIP Noah Fant for sure. Um, so what are your thoughts here about Brock Purdy? 2011, uh, 3,200 yards, 23. I, so depending on how you play Dynasty, um, I think he's a great, great option for your QB2 in a Superflex League. And really because the consistency that we saw out of Brock Purdy, it was basically 202, right? Dave and I talked about it almost every week. Oh, there's 202 again and again and again, and it just kept happening. He's the model of consistency. You can plug and not even think about it, right? Instead of, okay, well, how's uh, so, you know, do I want to play Sam Darnold this week? How Well, what about Desmond Ritter? What's his lineup look like? What's his matchup? Sam, you know, Brock Purdy, you can get him fairly reasonable right around probably those guys, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, that Kenny Pickett, that area. And he's just locked and loaded 202 because of the offense around him. Not necessarily because Brock Purdy is a phenomenal quarterback, but because he's just in an offense and surrounded with weapons that are just going to continue to make him successful. So I think the model of consistency makes him a perfect QB2 option for Superflex. Yeah, so I'm going to combine some statements from, from the two recent guests. So Michael F. Florio said this is why he doesn't like Brock Purdy is because of how easy that offense is and how easy it makes things to – the quarterback doesn't have to do a lot. But at the end of the day, if he's the quarterback doing that, the same thing as Jimmy Garoppolo, he's going to offer some production and some consistency as long as he's healthy. Don't get me wrong. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo ever he, – he, first of all, Brad, you asked this question. He never had a 1,000-yard receiver. Um, he, had, he had George Kittle get 1,000 yards over, over one season. Um, 
but he never really had QB1 performances. But he was a consistent QB2 all the time, and Brock Purdy could be that guy as well. But Marcus Grant said it perfectly. Low-hanging fruit tastes just as good at the one as the fruit at the top of the tree, and you don't have to work so hard for it. And Brock Purdy right now is a screaming value, especially in redraft and best ball, but he's also a good value in dynasty. Once he gets announced as a starter, that value is going to go up, and you should take advantage of it now, especially if you have Trey Lance. But if you don't have Trey Lance, it's also another way where you can go get a tree, tree fruit. Yeah, um, you can go get, um, you know, go get Sam Darnold as a, as a free toss in as well if you in the super flex leagues because he may have to start a couple weeks if Purdy's not ready. Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell was one of those guys who had a whole lot of value. Bruni was all about Elijah Mitchell last year. Then Christian McCaffrey trade happened and completely tanked it. What are your thoughts about Elijah Mitchell? It's a pretty valuable handcuff. He's a great handcuff because he's going to get all of the work if CMC, knock on wood, we don't want it to happen. But if he gets hurt, he's going to get all the carries. Now maybe TDP gets some takes a lot of that receiving work. But we've seen Elijah Mitchell be – very productive from a fantasy standpoint when given all of the opportunities. So I think he's a great handcuff uh, to have. And I think there are going to be weeks that he's playable as well uh, in games that you think the 49ers may be well ahead and just looking to run the ball over and over again. He's a guy that he's fast. He works in that that zone scheme perfectly, uh, and he provides a huge amount of value. Yeah, and you know, I, I know there's a lot of love in the streets for Jordan Mason last year. Um, I, I just, yeah, I think he's just so far buried that it's not worth a roster spot. But uh, we'll see. The 49ers do kind of, you know, burn through running backs. Let's go to the receivers. Debo Samuel, wide receiver, 15. Last year, he was just for me a massive sell, bust candidate. Do you think he bounces back this year, or what are your thoughts? They got him down for 44 rushes, 243-2, and two, and then 62 receptions for 888. Michael Irvin would like that one, uh, five touchdowns. But why was he here 15? Uh, I feel like 15 is too high. Look, as, as fun as Debo is for the offense and as good as he is for San Francisco to do what he can do, he's really only given us one season of – of production that we wanted from him. And he ain't the alpha. He look, we're not going to talk about who I think the alpha is yet. Cause we're going to get to him here in a second, but the, the mod, I, these numbers I feel like are pretty modest. I just don't know how those numbers get you to wide receiver 15 right now. Yeah. I just, I think there's so many other receivers that I feel much more confident in, in that range. Um, so you know, I did. We did our wide receiver ranking show. We had we had Jagger May on with us, and I'm pretty sure I was the lowest on Debo Samuel, and I had him at like 30, um, 31. There's just so many guys that I'd much rather have than him. Not just his injury history, but the inconsistent play and the way they use him. It's great, but they don't do that till the fantasy football. Not at the NFL playoffs. Yeah. So you're not seeing him rush the ball like he does you know, 10 carries against the Cowboys in the playoff game. That doesn't happen during the NFL season. So you don't get that value. So I feel like there's been, you know, there's this idea that he's going to do all these things. And, you know, when he only gets seven or eight touches in a game or six touches in a game, 
it doesn't result in the same kind of fancy production that we had, you know, seen in those in those playoff games. We both agree. Brandon Yuke is the alpha. I think that, you know, if he's getting I don't think his ADP is this low, but if he's down there at 35, I'm scooping him up all day. He's he's yeah, let me see it. 28. Give he's me. gonna smash that ADP. Dude, yeah, I, I this you, is the season that you really see Brandon Ayuk on display. I'm I'm planting it right now. Yeah, as long as you can get good consistent play from the the, the quarterbacks, Ayuk has been good, and he is always open. This is a Deontay Johnson type of a player. He's a good route runner, and he offers some speed and athleticism after he catches the ball. In an offense that really specializes in creating mismatches and space for these guys to create after the catch. And so Ayuk is a first round pick, and people forget about him. I just, he's an underrated player. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I got a, got an argument with Chase Vernon last year about him. Ayuk uh, versus Terry McLaurin. I feel like I won that so far, and I think this year I'm going to double down. And uh, we'll see. I, I'll, I'll have to make a bet with Chase, see if he comes on the show wearing a uh, tiara and a, a tutu or something. <laughs> um, shout out to Trophy Smack. Not a sponsor yet, uh, but those are my guys. George Kittle, last year, um, and uh, Travis Kelsey talked about this on his show. He said that tra- that George Kittle hurts himself because he's such a good blocker, and if he maybe would stop being such a good blocker, he'd get more targets. Um, as a fantasy football manager that has him on the team, I felt that because there's times where I'm like, this dude played 99% of the snaps, but he only ra- he only ran routes on 47% of the plays and he got six targets. Like, come on. Then the next week he gets 15 targets and it's like, you know, maddening. But at the end of the season, he destroyed and he was one of the best tight ends in football again and so what are your thoughts on George Kittle TE5 yeah I mean he was one of the top tight ends through the last like four or five weeks of the season this I want to see him higher than five but because there's so many pieces around and I think there's limited passing volume that we're going to see from Brock Purdy just because you're not going to need to I think that's a that's about his ceiling Kittle or Goddard tight end five Kittle or Goddard Goddard. Kittle or Waller? Kittle. Kittle or Pitts? In Dynasty? Yeah. Pitts. All right, and I didn't recap, so for the 49ers fans, I apologize. I didn't recap their their, uh, offseason. They got a C grade for their free agency. Austin Bryant, edge. Chris Conley, receiver. Sam Darnold, quarterback. John Feliciano, center. He was on the Giants last year. Played pretty well. Cleland Farrell, edge. Zane Gonzalez, kicker. Javon Hargrave was the big ticket item. I absolutely love that move. I think they should get more than a C. You not only added one of the best defensive linemen to a defense that really is predicated off pass rush, really helps the you know helps secondary. You took it away from the Eagles from Philly, yeah. and the Eagles lost a lot of players. But this, a lot of people would tell you, this was the best player on that defense last year, and now he's on the San Francisco 49ers, who are with the Eagles as the two top teams in the NFC. Then you have. Miles Hartsfield, Isaiah Oliver, that's a safety in a corner, and then Matt Pryor, guard. And then as far as their draft, they got a C-. They got J.I.R. Brown, 
who is the uh, turnover king. Um, that was his uh, his nickname. Uh, safety, uh, good safety out of Penn State, Great. and uh, you know he's definitely uh, someone that they were a fan of over at Move the Sticks. Jake Moody, kicker in the third round, he's good. Um, Cameron Latou, tight end uh, out of Alabama. Daryl Luter, corner. Robert Beal, edge. D. Winters, I really like that pick, linebacker. Braden Willis, tight end. Ronnie Bell, receiver, and then Jalen Graham, linebacker. Brad, anything before we go? No, man, I'm good. All right. Well, everybody, as always, and good luck this season. Cheers.